Section 26 of Amusement Only. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter John Keeble. Amusement Only by Richard Marsh. By Deputy. A Reminiscence of Travel. Chapter 2. The Game. Later in the day, on which I had shot off that match with Mr. Tebb, I encountered Mr. Johns again. I was in the billiard-room of what was called the club. As regards membership, it was very free and easy. Club, indeed. A local celebrity was taking the floor. The room was tolerably full, and one of the side seats was Mr. Johns. The local celebrity was a Mr. Colson, Mr. Colson was stud-groom to the Rajah of Ahmednugger. He was also, and at the same time, one of the most obnoxious persons I have in the course of my career had the pleasure of meeting. There never was such a loud-voiced braggart. It set one's nerves on edge to hear him. To listen to him there was nothing he could not do. The misfortune was that some of the things which he said he could do he could do, and do well. I had found that out to my cost soon after my arrival in Ahmednugger, and in consequence he had sat on me heavily ever since. He was a horrible man. That evening Mr. Colson was holding forth in his usual style on the subject of billiards. I should mention that at the period of which I am writing, Mr. John Roberts, the famous player, was on a tour in India. I saw John Roberts at Calcutta, observed Mr. Colson, and he saw me. He also saw me play. When he saw me play, he said he doubted if he could give me fifteen in a hundred. I told him that I should like to see him do it. But he wouldn't take it on. Is that so? asked Mr. Johns. That is so. I should like to see him give me ten in a hundred. Either John Roberts, or any man now living. I should like to have a game with you, Mr. Colson. You would. Mr. Colson looked at Mr. Johns. He looked him up and down. Mr. Colson was large and florid. Mr. Johns was small and underfed. Mr. Colson was, at least, expensively attired. About Mr. Johns' costume, there was certainly no suspicion of expense. I don't mind having you a hundred up, my lad. How many shall I give you? I'm no player, Mr. Colson, but I'd like to play you even, if only for the sake of saying that I had the cheek to do it. You shall have that pleasure. And how much would you like to have on, if only for the sake of saying that you had the cheek to have it on? And Mr. Colson winked at the company in general. Well, Mr. Colson, you and the other gentlemen have won all my money, but I dare say I might manage ten rupees. Put em up, my lad. Here's my ten. We'll play for the twenty. They played for the twenty. And, to my satisfaction, and I believe to the satisfaction of most of the others who were in the room, it was Mr. Johns who won. I am bound to say that it seemed to me to be rather a fluky win. Mr. Colson, whose disgust was amusing, had no doubt whatever about the fluke, 
Never saw anything like it. Never. The balls never broke for me, not once. As for you, why, you did nothing else but fluke. Do you think so? I'll play you again. Double or quits. And I'll give you ten in the hundred, Mr. Colson. Mr. Colson seemed amazed. In fact, I have no doubt he was amazed. I like your modesty. You'll give me ten. Here's my twenty. I'll take you on. Mr. Colson took him on, and by way of fair exchange, Mr. Johns took him off. That is to say, he took off the stakes and the game. He did it rather neatly, just running in as Mr. Colson looked like winning. Mr. Colson was adjectival. Never saw anything like it. Never. In all my born days, never saw anything like my something, something, something luck. And as for your fluking, why, it just beats anything. Think so? I'll play you again, Mr. Colson. And again double or quits, and this time I'll give you twenty in a hundred. You'll give me, you'll give me twenty in a hundred. You will. Come on. That'll be forty rupees aside. Here's mine, McBee. Put me on twenty, and we'll see what I can do. We did see what he could do. We also saw that Mr. Johns seemed able to do a little better. Once more he won the game. I am sure that we were all enjoying ourselves very much, much more than we had any reason to anticipate. As for Mr. Colson, he went purple. He showered on Mr. Johns a volley of that language which I had found pretty fashionable at Ahmed Nugger. Mr. Johns listened to him in silence while he pocketed the spoils. Then he had his say. You say I fluke. Why, my dear sir, you've no idea what a fluke is. You've no idea of any sort about billiards. You can no more play billiards than you can play the gentleman. You can't. You're the sort of person who it is just as well, once in a way, to expose. You're a humbug, Mr. Colson. You're a humbug. As for John Roberts, doubting if he could give you fifteen in a hundred, why, he could give you ninety-nine in a hundred, and beat you single-handed. I'll tell you what I will do, Mr. Colson. I will play you five hundred up, for five hundred rupees aside. I will give you four hundred start, and I will lay two to one against you with any gentleman who cares to back you. I don't think that's an unfair offer, Mr. Colson. It struck me, as at any rate a rash offer, Mr. Colson was not such a tyro as Mr. Johns made out. He had made mincemeat of me, I do know that. Yet the offer did not seem to be made in any spirit of braggadocio. I fancy that the quiet, matter-of-fact manner in which it was made impressed Mr. Colson more than he altogether cared to own. My impression is that if he had his own way, he would have changed the subject. But the odds offered him were such, and the challenge was made in such a public manner, that he probably felt that if he wished to preserve a rag of reputation, now or never was the time to show the stuff that he was made of. Anyhow, the offer was accepted, and the terms of the match were definitely arranged before the parties left the room. End of chapter 2 of By Deputy Recording by Peter John Keeble Nottingham, United Kingdom.